and the, the God's word goes forth and does what it's supposed to do. How many know that? And it's not over till it's over, and that seed goes in there, and that seed works and works and works and works and keeps drawing us to himself. But, man, to walk in and see, you know, that for, I don't know, how many years, anybody, my mathematicians can tell me how long ago that was? 47, no, 37? 38, 38 years, like, whoa, 38 years, I thought, man, I love that. Reunions are pretty awesome. I mean, I know we're, we love heaven in the future, we love bringing heaven to earth now, but there is an aspect of heaven like one giant long reunion. I mean, a reunion is like a little mini version of kind of eternity, I think. And isn't it crazy when you go to a reunion and it's kind of positive and it's not weird and it's kind of fun to see people you haven't seen in a long time. I think heaven's going to be like that. Let me do this. I wanted to show you a picture of uh, me back in the uh, last century, which will... Uh, so uh, why don't you put that picture of the truck up with me in the truck. This is, so this is me. I mean, this is when I was... I used to say this is me when I was cool. Um, this is Jesus on the door of the truck. And... Uh, that's my evangelism. I was an evangelist. I wasn't, you know, that was my reaching out. God is my co-pilot, you know. Really, the reason that guy looks that way, that is Jesus on the doors. Those are his eyebrows. Uh, but the guy I used to smoke pot with is the guy that painted Jesus. Seriously, this is, I mean, he was, this is an unsaved picture of Jesus. This is the guy who painted this, wasn't saved. But it's his rendition, and that's why he looks that way. But this is right after, this is right after God broke the chameleon spirit in me. And how many know when you're a young person, you're struggling with identity, you often maybe have two, three, four, five sets, sets of different kinds of friends, and you're kind of going from one group to another. Well, I was the guy that smoked, I, I smoked marijuana on Thursday night, I got drunk on Friday night, and then I uh, would go to the Bible study on Monday night. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what young people do. Really, adults do that too, but let's focus on young people. Um, but young people do that, you know, and I was very conflicted. When you, when you have this sense of, of not having the courage to be one person, when you have this great fear of rejection so that whatever group you're in, you become like that group and you adopt their values, even if it's just for a few moments or a few hours or a day, you, you kind of drift from one group to another group, and it's horrible because we're designed for integrity. You know, the Lord says in his word, unite my heart to fear your name. Make my heart whole. Connect all the pieces of my heart to fear your name. And I don't think we can really have a proper, appropriate fear of the Lord without that united heart. When our heart is scattered, and man, my heart was scattered. And this is after, though. It was so great. The Lord came, and he broke the chameleon spirit in my life. I love, I love this sense that the, that, that the Lord breaks the chameleon spirit. And it was horrible, really. It was horrible to be a chameleon and feel like everywhere I went, I was just so... And man, when God came and broke the chameleon spirit, that's when I went crazy. I just went crazy for God. I always say they, uh, they filed a missing persons report on me at the record store because I just, everything changed in me. I mean, I stopped listening. I mean, it wasn't like anybody told me to stop listening to music, but all the music I used to listen to was like about this girlfriend that broke up with so-and-so, or it was always about some sad story or something. And the prophets of my generation who were recording songs were describing the heart of a generation that was lost without God. And that's what happens. Popular music, the prophets are speaking. They don't even know they're prophets, you know, and God... God put that prophetic temperament in them, and I remember I would listen to them. I had, I had music to be excited with, and I had music to be depressed with, and I would just plug into my music, man, and get more depressed. It just felt so good to be more depressed, you know, and it was, and those were the prophets that were singing. But, you know, when you think about darkness and you think about the enemy, I'm, I'm looking at a generation, and, uh, you know, the enemy, I always say he's intelligent, but he's not wise. I mean, he's got information, but there's one of my favorite scriptures is this, is he that digs a pit falls into it himself, and he that rolls a stone, the stone rolls on him. And if we, if, you know, as we watch the work of God play out, the enemy will dig a grave for himself thinking it's for us. And he's doing that to a generation right now. I do believe God's stirring a generation, and God's moving on a generation. I mean, how many, how many times can you go to some party, get drunk or stoned, get hauled into some room, do sexual things with somebody you don't know, 
And I mean, weekend after weekend, you know, uh, month after month, even year after year, how many, how many times can you do that and, and not come back, not begin to think this is all there is? Like this is it? I'm, I'm living the life they say to live. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm sexually involved with people. I'm living the life. I'm, I'm following the footsteps of the promise. You know, the promises the sexual revolution have, has made to our culture. The culture has made a promise to us. And I'm, and I'm bought into it. And man, I'm living it. I'm living it. And there's an emptiness to that. And that's, that's what's happening. And the, and the enemy is pushing a generation. And they're... You know, they're, 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 the consequences of their life are piling up in their spirit. I got a picture of this bathroom scene we saw. It kind of describes our culture. We show this picture. Forgive me if this is insulting to you on Sunday, but this is a, a snapshot of our culture. We've got, and this was in a room of, a, of an older man, in a bathroom of an older man. My friend was visiting him. We didn't get this off the internet. We're not trying to be clever. He has the same kind of heart I do. And he saw this picture and he thought, this is, this is a snapshot of, a, of sometimes I think God's people trying to address this monster of a spirit, a sexual spirit on our culture, the, the playboy philosophy that's been kind of sewn into our culture for years. And then on top of that, we've got the daily bread. The daily bread is something, I don't know if the new generation knows it, but it's, it's a little thing that kind of a verse a day that people will read, you know, and, and every month they come out and there's a verse for the day. And you know, and, and the sense of this, a verse for the day isn't going to help us. It's, it may help us a little bit, but it isn't going to give us what we need to defeat this spirit that has saturated our culture. And when I saw this picture, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is just capturing exactly what we're dealing with. We've got this, this foundation in our culture, the sexual revolution that's gone crazy. I mean, anybody feel pressure against their spirit? Anybody feel a war against your moral purity? Is anybody have any any sense that you're you feel like you're like there's a target on your back anybody feel pressure on their purity come on every hand should be up you know i mean this is what we live in we're swimming in a culture that is sexualized and it, it's it's intense when we saw that picture i mean i thought lord this is this is incredible and so there's this conflict there's this battle there's this this war that we're experiencing in our culture and uh it's, it's not going away. You know, it's increasing. I mean, the stuff you, you know, your stuff, I remember the stuff I was involved in. I talked about being a chameleon and what I did when I was in high school. Well, the sixth graders are doing the same thing. You know, things are, things are the same, but it's, it just keeps dropping down younger and younger and younger. I remember my daughter was, oh, I don't know how old she was. She was, I think she was just third grade or something, you know, and she was in Sunday school, and I remember she came home one time from Sunday school, and she was crying, and she just felt this pressure on her as a young girl. I mean, like third grade, second grade at Sunday school, and, and some of the other gals were just talking about boyfriends in school, and it just was, for my little, my little daughter, just, it was so, it was, it was just, she, her heart wasn't ready for the pressure. And there's like this pressure put on a generation a pressure that is relentless, a sexual pressure in our culture on people. And she wasn't ready. We'd prayed with her and said, you know, Allison, you don't have, this isn't for you now. You're, th you're third grade, you know. This is, this is way in the future. You don't have to worry about a boyfriend or this or that. And we prayed with her. And, but she had already begun to feel this, this pressure to, to conform and to, to try to fit in. You know, the scripture talks about they, our culture. Let me look at Isaiah with you for uh, this one verse I wanted you to look at with me. It describes the fallen angel. You know, Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven, and he got cast down. So it talks about him in this verse 12. It says, 14, 12 of Isaiah, How you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. What, a, what an interesting description of the work, describing the work of darkness, the fallen angel. You who have weakened the nations. You know, our theology as believers is a nation is only as strong as the church in that nation. I mean, 
What's exciting is the church is the answer. The church of Jesus is the answer in, for the nations of the earth. I mean, the church is the answer for every culture. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? God, the body of Christ, God dwelling in his people and having the answer, having uh, not just a verbal answer, but a demonstrated answer. The word become flesh in us and being lived out among, lived out in family, lived out in morality, lived out in sexual purity, lived out in ethics. I mean, the church is the living demonstration and it gives hope and gives an example to the watching world. And we're we're sent in the midst of it. And sometimes we're like strangers in a strange land. You know, we're, we're almost like foreigners living within a culture where the laws are different than the laws of our God and the values are different than the values of our God. And I think right now we find ourselves a little bit like we're almost like in Babylon ourselves. We're in exile ourselves. We're living out this life in the midst of a whole other world that's, that's adopting other values than ours. But the Lord asks us to live, live that out and be a demonstration but our theology is the church, okay, so the, the nation is only as strong as the church, and the church is only as strong as the families. The families are only as strong as the marriages. The marriages are only as strong as that young man and that young woman who God puts together to be a team for his purposes on the earth. And that's, and so where do you see the enemy targeting his, his, his attack? You know, he, he, wants to, he wants to cripple and wound and damage young people so they have no hope to form some form of permanent marriage that would help create a family that would help strengthen uh, a nation you know i mean a church and strengthen a nation i mean he, he puts the target on on that and you know the, the the good news to young people is you are there's good news and bad news you know and it's really everyone but we tell the young people well we got some good news and bad news for you which one do you want to hear first and the, the bad news is that you're hated with a very great hatred. You, you're, you're part of a generation that has been targeted for destruction. It's not very cheery. It's kind of like, can we have a cheerful message this morning? You know? <laughs> but the good news is that you're loved with a very great love, and there's a God of restoration who is able to restore. How many, how many have been touched by the spirit of restoration in your life? You were somewhere else. You know, in the miracle, you know, I grew up, you know, I showed you that picture of me as a chameleon. I grew up with an alcoholic mom and a dad who never told me he was proud of me. And that the message from my father to me was always, it's not good enough and you disappoint me, Jim. He, my dad went to the, he, he went to this school, I call it the dad's school, where all dads go. And, if, and they, what they learn there is that if a son does 99 things right and one thing wrong, then the dad always talks to him about the one thing wrong. And, you know, we got to, what we need to do, guys, we need to find this school. It's, it's under a bridge or it's in a forest somewhere. It's, we need to find this school and, like, blow it up. We need to just <laughs> blow it up and, and set, uh, do a reset on the spirit of fathering and grandfathering where we are proclaiming over sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters. We're proclaiming and blessing them and reminding them that they are so special and so important even before they do anything, that they're hearing the same thing Jesus heard when he was baptized. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, you start speaking and we start training a generation. This is part of the church being strong in a nation is that when we start declaring over our sons and daughters who they are and blessing them before they do anything, they're going to grow up with a sense of self-identity that's so strong that the enemy will not have any landing strip. There'll be no landing strip in the spirit of those young men and young women. You know, one of the things that we, you know, I, I was thinking about the Me Too movement because you see this attack. And, you know, I, 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 I'm, when the Me, how many are familiar with the Me Too movement? You know, it's, it's been around now. It's not, it's, it's, the Me Too movement is where the women have been encouraged to talk about the things that have happened to them, inappropriate sexual contact, in, 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 inappropriate sexual activity toward them, you know, just being able to share and talk about what happened to them in some setting, work setting or other settings where they're coming out saying these things are happening. And I really wanted the church to be, because I, I love the church. I wanted the church to be the, the answer. I wanted the church to herald the fact that women are damaged, that they've been damaged by the sexual revolution. I, I grew up in the sexual revolution. I mean, the sexual revolution birth 50 years ago in the mid-60s, mid to late 60s, you know, 
That's what I grew up in. I mean, I was in high school in the, in the mid-60s and graduated in 1970. And so I, you know, I, but I wanted the church to be the one to herald the, the, the message that women are being hurt in sexual relationships without appropriate boundaries. I, 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 with all my heart, I wanted God's church to be the messenger of that. And, you know, the, the Me Too movement, something's happened, and this is really significant. We need to understand this. For the first time in 50 years, the culture has made a concession about sexuality. The first time. Is, they've never made a concession. I mean, it, it, the, the, the sexual revolution made lots of promises, and frankly, I believe there is a huge amount of angst in our culture about the the unfulfilled promises of the sexual revolution. People bought into that and have lived that life and have come up with lots of emptiness. There's a lot of angst in our culture about the unfulfilled promises of the sexual revolution where people bought into that. And for the first time, the first time, the culture has made a concession saying, women have been hurt in sexual relationships without appropriate boundaries. Now, we've got to define some things. We have to define what hurt is and what, you know, but, but, I, but what, a, what a huge open door. What, a, what an open door. That's an invitation for the church to raise up a gener generations of women with the testimony of God's miraculous restoration in their lives and to walk through that door and begin to speak to awaiting generations of women who are not yet into the, in the kingdom of God. Because there, there, is, there are scores and scores, millions and millions of women who, who bought into the, the lies of the sexual revolution and believed the promises that were made to them and entered into that and have, have been destroyed. They've been broken. They have, they have been wounded. They have been damaged. They've been lied to. And man, and, and part, of, part of what we have to do is recover the, the we have to break the shame off a generation so we can heal a generation. You know, as a young lady, I was in California and kind of presenting a message like this. And afterwards, she came forward. And part of what we talked about in, in, the, uh, in the message was being touched in the wrong way when you're a little girl. And she responded to that very phrase. She, said, and she came forward and said, you know, I, and she talked. I don't know if she talked with me, but I found out about her story. And she said she was six years old and some things happened to her. And for 19 years... Till she was 25, and in that meeting that Sunday morning, 19 years, she'd never told anybody about anything that happened. Just carried it in her heart and, 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 and suffered the consequences of that secrecy for 19 years. And she said that morning, I came forward, and it was like a million pounds came off my shoulder. She said, a million pounds came off my shoulder. I just, there wasn't any like special, I mean, just the fact to bring any, something from the darkness into the light. See, the promise of God says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome the light. Like the darkness shines, and he breaks the power of the darkness. And when the enemy, when he, when he creates a trap for us, we end up carrying something. We're not darkness. See, the enemy, the enemy wants to make, make us feel like we're darkness. You know, when a young lady like that experiences something like that, even a young man experiences that violence and violation against them. When they experience something like that, what happens is the whispering of darkness begins to hang over them. You know, every day of their life, they hear stuff like, you're dirty. You're dirty. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with your sexuality. Something's wrong with those uh, sexual body parts that you carry. Something's wrong with your masculinity or your femininity. Oh, and then these other accusations that darkness whispers in their ear. Uh, you wanted it to happen. And it was your fault. And how about, how about, and how about this one? If you work hard enough and try long enough, maybe someday God might accept you. An invitation into being a slave in the house of God for the rest of your life instead of being a son or a daughter of the king where that's your orientation. I mean, those are lies from the pit of darkness. Those are lies, and they, they always accompany behaviors like this. They, they always, the whisperings of darkness follow the work of darkness. I used to be so frustrated. I, I, I would argue with God. i go, God, why would you put that kind of shame, those sayings, and why would those things be accompanied? There's already horrible enough things that happen to this person. Why would the whisperings of darkness be there? And 
Why, why would there be shame? Why would, be this, why would there be this sense that it was my fault when something was done to them that they didn't even ever want it to happen? Why would there be this sense of responsibility, wrong, wrong responsibility, but why, why is it there? And, and I thought, Lord, it just seems cruel of you. And, I, and the Lord just, he, he began to help me understand that when you're a little person, you don't even have a vocabulary for what happened to you. You don't even know how to talk about uh, you don't even know your body parts. You don't know anything. You, you're just a little person. And there's been a violence and a violation against you. And you don't, and, and what happens though is the light goes out of your eye and the skip goes out of your step. And it's obvious to everyone. Everybody goes, what? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. The radar goes off. The people around that little person, moms and dads and grandpas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and, and, and other people say, what? Something's happened here. And God sets that up so there can be intervention. He sets that, the, spark, the light goes out of that little person's eyes so there can be, someone can come and say, wait a minute, this isn't gonna, this is not gonna keep going on. And that's why that shame is there. You know, even you think about the shame, the, 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 you know, shame is what God uses to protect sexuality. God's put a beautiful boundary around his gift of sexuality because he knows us better than we know ourselves and he doesn't want us to be destroyed. So he, he puts this beautiful boundary and, and shame is a protector of that. It's like an oil, oil light on a car. You know, if the oil light goes on, you, you don't keep driving. You're supposed to stop and turn the engine off and say, I'm out of oil. If I keep driving, the engine's going to blow up. Well, the Lord gives us a conscience, gives us shame to warn us. And if we keep going that direction, if we keep, then something's going to happen. Our life's going to blow up eventually. Something's going to happen. And that's why the Lord gives us shame. And, and what happened, God wants to raise up. See, this Me Too movement has happened. The door is cracked open. There's actually discussion about right and wrong around sexuality now. I mean, come on. This, is a, this concession is huge. It invites us into the conversation, to use the cool expression of social media. We need to step into the conversation with our own testimonies, but we have to break the spirit of shame off our lives. See, what happens when we have shame is we have, we have people with X-rated testimonies and they're embarrassed about them, so they want to change their testimony to a PG. We want to sanitize our testimony. I'm going to sanitize my testimony because I still feel ashamed. God wants to help us break the shame off our lives. Break the shame. I mean, who cares? Break the shame, break, break the effects of the shame of the things we've done and see God establish us and to use our testimony. You know, your testimony is a key to unlock the prison doors of people waiting to hear. Your testimony is a key that can unlock the prison doors. There are people waiting who are trapped in prison doors, waiting for someone to come and step on the edge of their generation and say, I know the way out of hell. Can I tell you? about my life. I want people falling on, I want people falling on the grass at parks next to playgrounds. I want them falling on the floor in restaurants when you're talking to wait, when, I want waitresses falling on the floor in restaurants when you're talking to them. Because, you know, folks, God's done such a work in our life. People think we were born in a pew. I'm serious. I mean, after a while, I mean, we don't understand, but God's changed us. We are changed in our, how we think, how we act, how we carry ourselves. Carry ourselves. For, for us to speak our testimony is going to shock some people, especially if you've been gifted with an X-rated testimony. I'm not saying that in a facetious, weird way. But if you've lived that kind of life, that is a key that's going to unlock the prison door of somebody. I'm serious. There, there are people trapped thinking, I'm never, I'm never can be good enough. I, never can, I can never come back. I'm telling you. God picked Mary Magdalene to be one of the first women, to be the first one, first person on the earth to herald that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. You know, the Lord didn't just pick Mary by accident. He picked Mary on purpose. He had a purpose in picking Mary because his message in picking Mary was, I don't care what you've done, where you've been, whether you have seven demons or you've been a prostitute or who you've been, whether what you've done, I don't care what you've done. I'm, gonna, you, I'm not just going to patch you up and put you in the back in the wilted flower section of the kingdom of God. 
because there isn't a wilted flower section of the kingdom of God. I'm going to patch you up, and I'm going to I'm going to patch you up, and I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. And then the message of Mary is, I'm going to use you too, Mary. I want to use you for my kingdom. I love it that God picked Mary first. I mean, that's like a de that's like a, a declaration to every person in every nation of the earth, saying, no matter what you've done, who you've been with, where what you've experienced, I'm going to resurrect you. And I'm going to restore you. And you go with that precious testimony. I love the fact God doesn't undo our testimony. I'm, I love the fact he doesn't blank out our memory of the crazy things that we've done. What he does, instead of blank our memory out where there's no, no history, he says, I'm leaving it intact I want it to be part of your testimony. I'm going to leave it intact. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut the fuel source from hell. The pipeline from hell to that memory that keeps it alive every day like it was yesterday to torment people. I want to take the sword of the spirit and the blood of the cross and use that to sever the pipeline from the memory in hell. And shrivel that memory up so it just is a fact. That's all it is. It's a historical fact that has no memory, no connection, no emotional sense of, no trauma to it anymore. That's what I want to do. So you can, th that way we don't, you know, it, it's amazing. God doesn't want us to have to do shame management our whole life. He doesn't want us to have a, a closet with all our little secrets in it and we're going to wallpaper it and kind of sheetrock over it and mud it and like it's not there. So we always have to, because some things are so horrible that we did. He doesn't want us to be proud about it, but he certainly doesn't want us to hide it. There's a sweet spot in between. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll get a, a, a gal talk to me, and she goes, I'm part of the ex-pole dancers for Christ, or something like that, you know. And I go, honey, because I was a pole dancer, and now I'm an ex-pole dancer. I go, oh, no, no, you're not. You're not an ex-pole dancer. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You're a princess of Jesus. You're every, every daughter of a king is a princess, and Jesus is the king of kings. You, you're not an ex-pole dancer. You're, you're a daughter of the Most High God who used to do some of those things. That's completely different than saying, well, I'm an ex-pole dancer. I was a pole dancer. Now I'm an ex-pole dancer. No. No, he wants to so alter our identity that we don't even have. There's not even a sense of that's what we were. It's now we're this, and we used to do some of those things. That's every one of us. That's what Isaiah is about. Let's read Isaiah 61. I love Isaiah 61. I mean, isn't it cool that Jesus started his ministry with Isaiah 61? We're going back to the original. He, you know, in Luke, he opens up in Luke 4. But I, I love reading just the whole Isaiah 61. It's like, this is what Jesus started his ministry with. And it's us. We find ourselves on this continuum. All of us are on this continuum somewhere. Maybe we're, we're on the progressing or there's different layers he's doing stuff. We might, in one layer we progressed all the way, in another layer we're just starting. Do you know we can be all the way helping people and then another part of our, our life is just getting started because there's some affliction that we're dealing with like multiple overlapping layers. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Anybody been afflicted? People are afflicted with a sexual spirit, I'll tell you. It's one of the greatest places of affliction. Remember, it's where the, Lord, the enemy is targeting uh, the nations. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I mean, I love this, to bind up the brokenhearted. to proclaim liberty to captives. That's where a spirit of darkness came in and just took you when you weren't, you weren't even, you were just minding your own business and you got captured. It's like that lady in California, six years old, 19 years later. You know, the next morning she sent me an email saying, my food tastes different now. <laughs> I go, your food tastes different? Because that's how God designed us. I mean, all of a sudden, her food tastes different when that weight came off her. I bet you the sunset looked different, and every relationship with a man changed. Think about that. 
proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. Sometimes the enemy is so, he lies so profoundly to people, they read this and they think the day of vengeance of our God, like God's mad at me. Like, it's this day of vengeance. I go, the day of vengeance of our God is where the devil, where, where the Lord is, is taking vengeance on, on the enemies trying to destroy our life. It's God fighting for us. It's God fighting against the darkness. It's God breaking the power of the schemes of darkness in our life. It's the day of vengeance of our God against the enemies that have risen up against our destiny. And it's God's day. God's day of taking vengeance against our enemies. It isn't God's mad at you because you did stupid things. That's a lie from darkness. You, you get this. You got to get this. To comfort, okay, the day of vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them beauty for ashes, glad, oil of gladness for mourning, the, the mantle or garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or fainting, and they will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. You know, I love it in Revelation 22, it says, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And he's going to restore us and heal us and and do his work in us, and then just the very work in us, it, we become an oak of righteousness, and those leaves are going to heal the nations. We're going to go to places with that healing spirit in us, whether we're the preacher or not. We're going to just set our foot on the soil of a nation as a restored son or daughter, and something begins to happen in the spirit. You just carry that spirit of restoration. You are the leaf. You're a leaf of the tree. It's in a nation. It's what God wants to do with us. And then here's our, our assignment, that they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities and the desolation of many generations. That's our assignment. There's people in those cities. I love, I love, I love our assignment. That's what we're about, to raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities. Remember, I got a call one day from a mom. Got a call from a mom saying, I found my daughter's journal. I read it, and it reads like pornography. I mean, she wrote all this stuff in her journal. Can you help us? I said, sure, we want to help any way we can. So I met with her in our living room for probably a couple hours, and she just shared. She would share and cry. We'd stop and pray. It was like there was poison in her. She had done, done sexual things with young men, and, and it was just like there was stuff in her, like poison. And she needed to get it out of her. It was, it was, it was, it was that simple. It was like it was in her. I, I, I meditated about it. I've been thinking, Lord, why would a girl write that stuff in a journal? I had to ask that question. And the Lord said, it's like confession. It's like poison. It's like you're, there, she wasn't designed to have something like that in her spirit. It, it, it's, and you think about the, the, the symbolism of Jesus going to come back, and he's going to come back for a bride with what? Without spot or wrinkle, whatever that means. You know, but he's going to come back for a bride that's pure, right? The purity. It, it tells me that every daughter on the face of the earth, every daughter on the face of the earth and every culture, of the earth is designed there is something in her heart designed for purity it's a deep deep longing and a sense of identity that she was made for purity and purity we've purity isn't the absence of sexual activity it's god it's sexual activity within god's context so my daughter's got six kids she's pure my wife is pure we have eight children my single daughters are pure they're not involved at all my single son is pure he's not involved at all but they're all, they're all involved in sexuality within God's context. They're all pure in the Lord. And I believe every daughter is designed for that purity. And I believe that's why she wrote this. She wrote this stuff out in her journal. Because it was like poison. It was, making, it was make, making her crazy. But then I thought, well, Lord, why would, a, why would a daughter leave a journal out? Like, why would she leave it out? 
I mean, what, what, couldn't she hide a book from her mom? I mean, let's get real. If I give you a million dollars, couldn't you hide a book from your mom? Well, she didn't want her. She didn't want the book to be hidden. She left it on her bed. It was like she didn't know how to get out of hell. She didn't know how to say, I don't know how I got here. I don't like where I am. I, I got promised some things, and they didn't come true, believe me. I was told this was going to be wonderful and beautiful, and it became a nightmare to me. Do you understand how the darkness works on a generation? and makes promises about crossing boundaries, and it's gonna be wonderful and beautiful, and it turns into a nightmare, and then all of a sudden there's an avalanche, and somebody is buried alive and is suffocating and doesn't even, they can hardly breathe because of what they've experienced, and the whole culture is celebrating what they've done. It's like Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen, Ellen is likable, she's got a great sense of humor, she's kind. I mean, you know, the lady is in a, and then three, three weeks ago, she talked about being molested as a girl. I thought, let's connect the dots now on this. It makes me angry to think about what's happening to generations. And Ellen, I, I think it's, it's interesting to me. I just make a comment on this is that there's a movement, it's a strong movement, the LBGTQ, whatever movement, I don't even know all the initials, I'm sorry. But God's given me a, a burden, more and more of a burden, because there's something among many in the movement that want, that want the genesis of their movement to be born out of a sense of this is normal, natural, and it, I, was, I was born this way, and if, if you read the literature and begin to talk to people who are involved in that movement, more and more you see a connection to violence or violation against them when they were children. There was a violence and violation against them, or there was, if there wasn't actual molestation, there was atmospheric molestation, where they were exposed to pornography or exposed to this, where their, their atmosphere changed, and it affected them. And they don't want the genesis of the movement to be out of violence or violation. But that's really the reality, 85, 90%. We've talked to people coming out of there, and God's restoring, he's restoring people. It, it, you know, the church has never been a, a hater. Listen, we haven't hated the drug addicts. We haven't hated the, the uh, gamblers. We haven't hated the adulterers. We haven't hated the alcoholics. We, the church doesn't hate the people they're trying to help. That label doesn't fit us. We consistently throughout the history of the church, we have loved every group we've, we've ministered to, and we've come to them with a gospel saying, the Lord can change who you are into who you're supposed to be. That's it. I mean, we shouldn't be apologetic. And the, 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 the heterosexual crowd is part of that. It's all sexuality. We're calling everyone into a alignment with God's beautiful law. So we don't need to be apologetic. We don't need to be confused about it. And we're, we're equal opportunity. Everyone gets to be invited into the kingdom of God. We're not picking on anybody. And when they call us haters, I'm hoping there's there's going to be another voice that answers that. The police chief and the school principal and the social worker are going to say, those are the people that are reading with the children after school. They're the ones helping the, 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 the homeless kids. They're the, it better be that way, folks. It better be that, that, that the accusation against us is answered by the principal and the, and the police chief and the social worker. They're going to say they're the ones. They're our best people. That's who we have to be. That's, that's who God's calling. That's how we're going to live, walk out this in, in our culture. That's how we're going to walk it out. And may God give us avenues to serve in such a way. Amen? Amen? It's time to quit. Let me just say this to the men. Men and sexuality. I know the statistics. I don't want to bonk you over the head with statistics. But, and I can't even get into it. But let me just give you some hope. Because I believe God is speaking to men. And he wants to take us from every man's battle to every man's victory. I'm just declaring that over you right now. From every man's battle 
where we're gritting our teeth and we're in the white knuckle club and we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for him. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this battle against pornography. I really am. I'm gonna fight it out. We're not gonna win that battle. We're never gonna win the battle where we're, we're fueling our battle with the frustration of our failure. It isn't gonna happen. Thank you for trying. I, I'm saying God is gonna, God's gonna release a revelation because there's a protective instinct in men that God's put in every man. And if he can marry the protective instinct to, to the damage being done to women in our culture, if we can think about the little girl that we talked about, and when God connects the damage being done to women in our culture to that protective instinct, God's going to elevate men to a place where they are walking out a spirit of protection. There's something different in them. I'm talking about it's in you guys. It is in you. And the culture says you're not wanted. You're not needed. You're, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're toxic. Well, I'm going to read this to you, and this we're going to end. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to release a, an identity shift for men this morning. This is who you are. The culture's answer to you as a man with this protective instinct. You know, I, we say that to men, you're designed to do what's right instead of what's easy. Think about it, especially in your sexuality. There's a, there's a suffering in manhood that we've thrown away. And you're supposed to do, there's a thing, there's, you're, you're designed to do what's right instead of what's easy. You're designed to look in a mirror and see somebody you respect. respect. Your fuel is on it. You're supposed to look in a mirror and see somebody you respect. It's in us. And you're designed to be a protector and not a predator. And you were never designed to be bound to your lower nature, but God's releasing grace to you so you can rule over your sexuality instead of your sexuality ruling over you. Who wants to walk that way? That's my heart. That's your heart. You wouldn't be in this room today if that's not your heart. Whether you're in victory or not, whether you're failing or not, you know what? That's your heart. I'm declaring to you, that's your heart, or you wouldn't be in this place. And God is going to enable us by giving us a revelation. He's going he's to elevate us to another place. And the, the culture's answer is to make us less manly. And it's ridiculous. Make men less masculine is dangerous. We will get more toxic masculinity from trying to make men more like women. Bad men don't start becoming good when they become less masculine. Bad men become good when they stop being bad. Rocket science. Aggression, violence, ambition, risk-taking can only be harnessed. They're innate in man. When harnessed, they become tools for good. Some masculine traits that bring destruction defeat tyrannies. Traits that foster greed build economies and businesses. Traits that lead men to take foolish risks lead men to take heroic risks. The answer to toxic masculinity is not less masculinity, it's better masculinity. It looks like men opening doors, men working long hours, men going to war to fight evil, and men walking responsibility in their sexuality. When men embrace their masculinity in ways that are productive, they are warriors, leaders, and heroes. That's who I'm talking to this morning. Warriors, leaders, and heroes. Amen. I just want to pray with you. Why don't we stand together? God wants to just, he wants to restore some testimonies this morning. I know that much. Some of you have X-rated testimonies and both men and women, and God just wants to, he wants to reset you and release release you to enter into the conversation of the culture and maybe you've actively been dodging that that testimony has been shameful to you god wants to break that this morning and set you with your testimony as a glorious in the glory of god no weapon formed against you will prosper all things work together for good i mean we want to take that testimony as ugly and as, 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 as unlovely and as much as you hate it, he wants to have you see it through different eyes and to see it as the key that unlocks the prison door in somebody's life. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Come on. Can you, can you, come on, come on now. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to release something over you. Come down for that. I also talked about 
Just make your way down. Come on, let's be, let's be bold. Let's be bold this morning. Come on down, come on down. We talked about men and women, men and women, come on. I know there's more of you. Some of you are carrying, I know the Lord, I felt like the Lord spoke to me during worship. He just said, somebody feels shameful. Somebody feels they're just locked up in shame. Like you did some things and it just the shame has been hanging over you. And God wants to break the shame off of you completely. Break the shame off you completely this morning. I don't know who you are, where you, where you are. Who would say that? You would just say, you're describing me. I just, I can't, I'm tormented by some of my past. The Lord wants to breathe on you this morning and just, he, he can literally break it. Shame is like peanut butter on your face. He can just wipe it right off. He, he just wants to wipe it off. So there's, you're carrying around something that you've done. It's like a secret. You haven't told anybody about it. And we just, just come on down because God wants to undo it just like that. He wants to undo it and, and give you a freedom again, a freedom again. I don't know who you are, where you are. It might be several people. Just a shame. It's just kind of hung over you and it's lied to you. Come on. Come on. It's gonna, it's just gonna go. It's gonna break. It's gonna break. There it is. Come on. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go, honey. All of it gone. Come on. There's some men that heard the call. From every man's battle to every man's victory. Where, where are my guys? Come on. Look at, I don't care how much failure you've had. God wants to activate this spirit in men where they begin to see the damage done to women. What, what we cannot do, we cannot leave women. Women have had their identity robbed from them. We have sexualized women. We've objectified women. We have depersonalized women until they have this sexual identity. And, our, and what we're doing in some of our ministries, we're leaving people sexualized. We're leaving women sexualized and telling men, don't look at her and don't think about her. And, and part of the answer, guys, is in our mind and our spirit, we're recovering the humanity and the identity of a generation of women who've been assaulted by darkness. We're recovering their identity and their humanity and seeing that they're partly sexual in their identity, but it's not their whole identity. And when we do that, it's going to change us. It's going to change us. We're going to be changed. How many guys have felt something like God in the Spirit, God saying, is talking to you this morning? You heard me talk about it, and, and you're hearing it, and you want to respond. I, want, I just want you to respond because I, I, I want to deal with it. I want to release it over you. There's something in you saying, that's me. That's what I want. That's, I know that's who I'm supposed to be. Just come on, run down here. Just come down and stand with us. Come down and stand with us. That's who I want to be. That's who I'm supposed to be. Jesus. I love men. I love it. I mean, when men get that, I got young adult men who are saying, my life is changed. I'm living on the level of every man's victory now. I've seen it. And my heart gets to be a protector. That's it. Holy Spirit. How many are here for their identity, the, the testimony? Raise, about the te Remember I talked about the testimony. Real high. Raise your hand for your testimony real high. You're gonna, God's going to restore this a testimony. Just get your hand up. Father, right now, we're asking you right now, Lord, that you restore the, our testimony. Anybody else in the crowd? I'm not going to ask you to come over. Anybody out there, you, you, your X-rated testimony, some form of shame about your testimony in your past, just raise your hand. We're going we're gonna to shift it, and it's key. I want you to see how loving it is to walk in that testimony. And, you know, ask God. He's going to give you a chance to talk about it. He's going to give you a chance to talk about it with people right now. Father, I break the shame off our X-rated past right now. I break the unworthiness. I break the lies of darkness. The disqualification of darkness, Lord. The prodigal son, when he was brought home, was given sandals on his feet. And the word of the Lord says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When the prodigal son got restored, he got sandals put on his feet. It's like he wasn't disqualified to represent his father. 
And Lord, we're not disqualified to represent the Father in, in the gospel, in evangelism. We're not disqualified to represent the, God, the, 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 the Lord at all because of our past. As a matter of fact, when God sanctifies our testimony, He is giving us the tools we need to unlock the prison doors of people who are trapped. Father, I break the shame right now. I break the shame of our, of our testimony right now and restore testimony to men and women all around here. Lord, restore testimony this morning. Restore it right now. Restore testimony, Lord, right now. Restore it, Lord. X-rated testimony, Lord. PG-17 testimony, R-17, Lord. Whatever it is, Father, do it, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many bringing shame and some kind of shame failure in the area of sexuality? You just came forward out of that area of brokenness. Just raise your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Father, right now we pray about shame. We're just going to pray about shame right now. Father, we break that spirit of shame right now. Father, we break shame. We say to shame, you're not going to be the, you're not going to be the, the most important part of our life. But shame, we break your power this morning. We command you to be cast down, completely cast down. And Lord, we set you as the Lord in this life. We set you as the Lord in this life. Wash away the shame. Wash away the, 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 the disapproval, the disqualification. The, wash it away right now. Wash it away right now, Lord. Wash it away right now, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, 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 Holy Spirit. Talked about that lady in California. Maybe we can just, everybody can close their eyes for a minute. We talked about that lady in California that had something happen to her when she was six years old. I was thinking, Lord, maybe this morning there's someone for maybe has not been able to bring that into the light. And, and, and today is a day for darkness to be broken, for light to shine in the darkness. Say how many experienced them? They were a little boy or a little girl, and you were touched in the wrong way. Something happened to you. Just keep your hand up for a minute. Anyone else? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, a lot of people, folks. I mean, this is real. This is so real. This is. Man, this is so real because there's an imprint, a, like, a, like a darkness imprint on something that happens when you're young. And God wants to come and smash that thing. He wants to break the power of it. He wants to separate the shame ball between the things that you have done that you can be forgiven for and the things that were done to you that you cannot even repent for. Did you hear what I just said? Father, I separate the shame ball right now. I separate the two kind of shames right now in the mind of every son and daughter. I want you to see it now. Think about it. There's two kinds of shame. There's the things that you you have done that you can be, you can repent for, and then there's the things that were done to you that you cannot repent for. And God has a message for you. He goes, I never want you to repent ever again for what was done to you. I never want you to repent ever again for what was done to you. I never want you to repent ever again for what was done to you. And Father, we divide the shame ball this morning. We separate the two shames, God right now and i break the whisperings of darkness over people the lies you're dirty something's wrong with you i break that lord i break that by the power of your name you're not dirty there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with your body parts there's nothing wrong with your femininity there's nothing wrong with your masculinity i break the power i break that power of darkness the lies of darkness it was not your fault. You did not want it to happen. And I break the spirit of slavery. How many have a spirit of slavery? Like you've got to make up for what? You have to make up for something. You have to earn God's favor because of what happened to you. How many feel that in some way? Some kind of sexual sin and, and you're having to make up for it. 
by being a slave or have, being obligated to do things. Just raise your hand. You have a, like a spirit of slavery. It just hangs over you, and you've got to do this and do that. Father, we break the power of that spirit of slavery right now. Lord, I break the power of slavery. I say no to that thing. Lord, I just release the spirit of a son and a daughter who's been washed and forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you say you're the door. I am the door. I am the door. Lord, you come and close that. You, where that door of innocence was ripped off the hinges, you come and close that gap with your presence, with yourself, with your being, Lord. Close off the darkness, and Lord, then begin to put to sleep everything that was awakened, everything that was awakened before its time when that door got ripped off the hinges. Put it to sleep, Lord. Put it to sleep. Put it to sleep, Lord, by your Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father, finally, Lord, I just anoint the men. I just anoint the men to be protectors and men of honor, God. I anoint the men to be protectors and men of honor, God. I pray that you give them a revelation of a daughter's heart, God. I pray they'd see a daughter's heart. I see they'd see the pain. I pray they'd see the damage and the pain. I pray they'd see in every woman who has a, 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 a identity of sexuality, I pray they would see see them as little girls never hearing from their daddy how, how special they were. I pray they would see that, Lord. I pray they, in their minds they would be taken to the place where they would see the pain of a little girl waiting to hear blessing from her father. And it never came. It never came and she went out into the world with her power of her sexuality. It went out into the world with the power of her sexuality, Lord. Lord, just stir the heart of your men, Lord. We need them. You're needed. Lord, we need these men. We need men, Lord, with a, who, are, who are channeling the beautiful traits of masculinity in the defense of women who are being destroyed by the sexual culture. I just release that right now, Lord. I release that right now, Lord. Pray for a renewed mind, God. A renewed mind. He'd shift something, Lord, from every man's battle to every man's victory. Every man's battle to every man's victory, Lord. Shift something, Lord. Every man's battle to every man's victory, Father. We just shift it, Lord. A burden and a brokenness for women, Lord. A burden and a brokenness for women, Lord. They would see it. They would see it. It would change them, Lord. It would alter them. It would commission them, Lord, to the war, to the battle, Father. It would commission them to the battle and the war. Every man's victory, Lord. Revelation of a daughter's heart, Father. I release the revelation of a daughter's heart. Their design connected to the protective instinct, Lord, in every man. Protect him, Lord. Protection, Lord. Protection, every man. Revelation of a daughter's heart, God. I pray for a revelation of a daughter's heart, God. He's moved by your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Break all the shame, Lord. Break every failure, every or just wash. Start a new God. Revelation of a daughter's heart, God. Revelation of a daughter's heart, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We Yeah.
Break. 